Punk Press, the ninth episode, the final episode of this season, and uh, we have a very, very special guest who I've been following for years and years and years, it feels like. It's literally been, but it also feels like much, much longer. Uh, Ife Asa, welcome to the press. Greetings, greetings, greetings. I love you all. Thank you for inviting me. I'm Mm -hmm. excited to be here. Yes. It's an absolute blessing to have you uh, just to take some of the pressure off of like uh, of just dumping all the attention on you right off the bat. Uh, One of the things when I first started paying attention to what you were just putting out into the world and how you were showing up was your leaders uh, readers sessions that you were doing where you were just stepping up and in your own time just reading books to people online live, just sharing knowledge, you know, like, it, and it was such an educational, enlightening and community feel to it that that's, that's how I knew. I was like, I got to pay attention to, to this person. And since then, just hearing the work you've been doing in your own life, the work you've been doing in your community, the things you've been creating, which I'll give you plenty of uh, space to talk about, has just been super inspiring for me. So I know you know some of the people here already, uh, but uh, we have a new person to the press. Hannah, as well, has joined us to, to talk about what we're going to talk about and listen today. Uh, and the topic today that we chose is love. And uh, 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 like, how do you want to approach this topic, Maestro, as our guest, to, to speak of love? Uh, what does that mean coming in here for you? Oh, man. Well, first, I should say not only is is this episode nine and I am a nine, mm-hmm. but Ife also means love. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, um, so in the spirit of connections, like that's what love is. It's like spirit ordained connections, inescapable connections. Cause you don't choose to put them together. So you can't choose to take them apart. You know, mm-hmm. um, for me, oh, that would be a good place to start. What we all think love is Mm. um but for me love is god whatever whatever you know god to be like put something on that (laughs) like maybe a maybe put some sparkle on that and then Mm -hmm. that's love (laughs) Mm. y'all want to do a go around like talk what love means to you share your vision of love and then we can come back to you Faye. like i don't know get playful with it Hey, listen, you got to, because mm-hmm. I'm a talker. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a, I love listening to you. Okay, well, let's, yeah, this is fun. Let's go ahead and go around and, and kind of give like our own, like, uh, you know. Uh, but I agree with Ife. Um, you know, it's a, it's really hard to describe what love is because it's not something you can really touch or, you know, um, it's not an object. So, 
uh, for me, it's everything that surrounds me. That would be nature. That would be people. Um, that would be um, just pretty much anything that you can't, uh, you really can't explain. Just all of the happiness and joy and even tears sometimes or, mm-hmm. you know, the physical part of love. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how I try yeah. to try to define it. Right on. I'll go next. Uh, I I think inherently love is indescribable for me. And I've been trying to describe it for so long that the conclusion I've come to is that trying to describe love is like trying to offer the sun a candle as a present. Like it's, the sun's just going to be like, that's just more me. I don't get it. Like, why, why, what's the relevancy here, right? And you're just going to end up with hot wax all over your hands uh, trying, to, trying to name love. Uh, not that having hot wax all over your hands is a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> but to me, it's, it's like the sun. It's just pure forgiveness. And I know that, like, and I say that because when I meet love, it's often pain that leads me there in, in the end. Is, is the contrast of something in my life that's causing me pain, that what's not that is love. And, and especially when that exists in painful places. For me, love is like a little candle sometimes in the dark, in like a storm that you're trying to keep like cupped and protected. Um, and it's all around me, you know, it's all around me. I, I, hope I, I hope I really find myself successful in continuing to even try to define it, but really just like mm-hmm. showing up in it and like being it in my actions. That's where I'm trying to learn how to just live, you know, beyond the philosophy. Just like where does showing up in love show up in my life? What does that look like? What does it fuel? What does it not fuel? What, uh, yeah, what comes up for me as I just show up for others with love, which for me on a practical level means service, you know? That's, that's just my own personal path, just serving others. It's, I love it. It feels fucking amazing. And it's definitely full of love for me. So, yeah. Um, I could go next. Um, so for me, um, you know, uh, I've always kind of imagined uh, the underlying structure of the universe as being uh, a web, uh, like an a web of interconnections, a network, whatever you want to call it. But to me, uh, love is very basically those connections. It comes in different quantities and in qualities. Um, you know, I used to, I grew up, you know, uh, as a kid, you have the love with your family, with your siblings, then you start to develop friends. That's a different type of love. Um, then you have friends that are, you know, uh, more acquaintances. So that's kind of a different quant or different quantity rather than quality. Then there is like uh, relationships, you know. Um, so to me, it's just the uh, the interconnectivity with society as a whole or the ecosystem as a whole. I should say anything you develop a connection with, like for instance. If someone comes up to me and asks me for directions on the street, I consider that love because, you know, they trust me enough to come up to me 
and get my uh, information. So even something as passive or as that to me is love. I love that. I love bringing love into those little things. Mm. Man, you done fucked around and made my eyes water just a little bit. And and since we and since we family, I can tell you, I don't like when people undermine my gangster. Okay, <laughs> like I'm just gonna put that out there now. Um, it's peace to be here because I can hear myself in all of your responses, and it's hard to find the love that I look for. So to to Eugene, what is this? Is this witchery? <laughs> I would say this Venn diagrams with witchery somewhere in there, probably. Like nothing's ever one thing, but there's probably some witchery afoot. Yeah, this is definitely sorcery because I've never been this close to this many real life lovers at one time. I just want to say that. I know it's not my turn, so I'm going to sit back and cry. Go ahead. No, I mean, you're our guest. I actually like, I just kind of want to, as someone who's pushed things in certain directions, uh, I'd love to step back and just offer you like the, the baton of leadership for, you know, being the maestro in this whatever that looks like for you, you know, this time is to honor you really. Um, yeah. And, and so again, every time one of you speaks, you name a little <laughs> bit of my love. Um, I've said for the longest that love is to be next to me is to be in love with me because mm -hmm. you've stepped into it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's it. And so it's everywhere. And it's all the time and it's all the time. And mm -hmm. when people trust me enough to ask me or those little interconnections feel like kisses from whatever <laughs> God, you know. So, um, yeah, that's definitely my love. And OK, I'm snotting now. So <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> um, <laughs> love can be snotty sometimes. That's for damn sure. So yeah, I've tried to explain to the people closest to me that you would be able to make the same decision that I would make or know which direction I would go if you understand my core. And mm. at my core is my mantra. I love without ownership. Mm -hmm. I trust without fear. Mm -hmm. I give without expectation. And I receive with great appreciation. And, and I worked really hard um, to define love. And that's what I've come to, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if you can find the answer within that, then you know where I stand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, That's peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. That's, that's peace and power. <laughs> yeah, that is peace. So interconnection so, and trust, those are coming mm, up. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I know that uh, people are like the different kinds of love you know and for me it just kind of confuses things you know i try to keep it really simple for the humans like you see it's one <laughs> like try to keep it really simple for the humans like it's just one of them and your ass is either in it or your ass needs to be in it and that's just it you know Mm -hmm. so um just observing yeah, because it, it it does come up too many questions when there are different um kinds and so I try to explain to my daughters um, that that love is parallel. Don't make anybody, 
you know, use your love against you and make you pick ranks or mm. ratings. You know, love is like 11, a master, mm. you know, mm-hmm. it is equal. Um, and it just goes on like side by side, never impeding each other's movement, but just fueling each other to keep going and keeping up, you know. So love is just all good, always and all the time for me. Um, and when it's not good, it's not love. <laughs> like, there's no such thing for me as, as bad love or I think that lots of other things and lots of other emotions and attachments and spirits and demons mm-hmm. can make themselves look like love. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, but love, you know, when you see and, and it's only one of them, you know, mm-hmm. it's only one of them. It's got a million different shapes. I feel like much like God gave me a face and a shape. And so when God showed up for years, I didn't know it was God. I didn't recognize it. No. Um, and so it's the same with love. I looked for what TV said and what media said and what I saw in my mother's marriage. And then when love showed up, it showed up inside me first and it showed up different than what they said it would look like. So it's just been, yeah, it just has to show up in order for you to know it. But I too have been trying my entire life now to describe <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe that's why I wanted to hear everybody else's ideas so I could steal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's offered freely. <laughs> Who else wants to step up and speak of love? Well, I'm super inspired by what you shared. That's a hell of a quote right there. When love showed up, it showed up inside me first. Those are some words I want to print and put on the wall. Oh, shit, there you go again. Okay. <laughs> I got to say for whoever is listening and potentially not watching the video that your tears are gangster as fuck um, and so beautiful. Thank you for, for blessing us with those. I'm curious what you mean when you say you're a nine, because I recently did the Enneagram and I'm a nine in that structure. I'm not that sure if that's what you're referring to. Um, oh, um, life path number. Um, okay. So in my life path number, I'm a 36.9. And cool. yeah, we don't want to make this the numbers show, Hannah, but I'm going to slide in your inbox so we Got can it. figure it out. Awesome. And I've already been on your page snooping around, okay? I so was you on have, yours too. I was half like, I sun, half <laughs> <laughs> say, Yo, say, Did I say, half, <laughs> did I say uh, half sun, half shade? Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Well, um, I wanted to jump in on this podcast. Um, because I stole my definition of love, borrowed my definition of love from Bell Hooks. So I'm just an unauthorized <laughs> spokesperson for that, that <laughs> goddess, that teacher. <laughs> um, and her definition of love changed my life. Like one of the key things that like really has just set my whole life into bloom and she defined love and talked about how it can be a bit of a disservice to see love as this completely like amorphous thing that's so hard to define not to detract whatsoever from the the magic and beauty and wonder and like all overness of love 
but I appreciate, I think it, it can really like serve to have that definition. She defined it. Um, I believe she borrowed her definition from M. Scott Peck, who defined love as the will to extend oneself for one's own or another person's growth. And that really served me at a time when I, I didn't know what love was. I felt like all my relationships, like my efforts to love were just ending in like hurting the other person, being really hurt, just dead ends, dead ends, dead ends. And I finally was just like done. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out no matter what it takes. And I came across her book, you know, in that place and was like, oh, right. You can, like, I can always love. That's so empowering. Like, it doesn't matter if someone rejects me or walks away from me or has harmful behaviors. Like, I can approach them with care, respect, responsibility, truth. And the fact that love is never hurtful, like, attachment is hurtful, you you know, like, affection that's not reciprocated is hurtful like all these things that aren't love that masquerade as love are really hurtful (laughs) like love is fail proof it literally never harms you or anyone else it's like projected upon so that's been like utterly freeing and I just like live to like amplify that voice that has served me so much wow so can I uh, I'd like to um, you know, just comment on uh, that point a bit more. Um, so I, I I have a slightly different view. Um, of course, the goal of love is growth, as you said. Um, I do believe that one that two people or anything can love each other, even if they do end up having a bad relationship. I think there is that compatibility aspect that even if you're not compatible for a certain type of relationship, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. And that's when you have to accept that you're not compatible and then loving is letting go, you know, so that they can grow and you can grow. So I, 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 I do think that, bad relationships and love can coincide. It's just a matter of being aware of that. Just what I wanted to add to that. Thank you. Anybody got anything to rebound off that? Mm-hmm. Peter, you got? Yeah, yeah. Haven't heard from Peter in a while. Well, I was just listening, and I think everyone's words about love are all things I'm taking in. For me, love is sort of multidimensional. There's all different kinds of love. There's the love of another person. Love is um, really acceptance. True love is unconditional. Love no matter what. Love is also, you know, being out in nature and seeing something really beautiful or doing service for others or the love of a, a, you know, a spouse or relationship or um, or my dog who's sitting next to me right next (laughs) to my wheelchair. 
kind of with her paw out as I'm talking on the podcast. Um, and then the part of love, too, is Tyler mentioned was, you know, uh, caring about someone but caring enough to, to let them um, go to their own path. Uh, sometimes loving someone is letting them do what they need to do. Um, love is also being with someone um, as they're getting ready to pass uh, to the other side. Um, yeah, it's 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 to me it's something that is not necessarily um, something you can really put into a certain uh, image. It's just sort of there's all different types of love. Um, hmm. There's love of yourself too, and love of others. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know that wasn't said as well as you all said it, but I don't think that's true. I'm just absorbing that. Yeah. It actually reminds yeah, me did. of. Uh, oh, oh wait, no, no, there it is. It uh, it, it reminds me of Rilke. Anybody mess with Rilke? <laughs> Can I share a quote from one of his poems, real quick? I think. And, uh, uh, how's my connection looking? Is there is everything clear? Everybody hearing everybody? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, so in this poem, he talks about marriage, but I would offer the perspective that you could switch marriage with love, right? Uh, so he says. The point of marriage is not to create a quick commonality by tearing down all boundaries. Mm. On the contrary, a good marriage is one in which each partner appoints the other to be the guardian of their solitude. And thus they show each other the greatest possible trust. A merging of two people is an impossibility and where it seems to exist, it is a hemming in a mutual consent that robs one party or both parties of their fullest freedom and development. Mm. But once the realization is accepted that even between the closest people, infinite distances exist, a marvelous living side by side can grow up from them if they succeed in loving the expanse between them, which gives them the possibility of always seeing each other as a whole and before an immense sky. Mm. You on my road now, Pastor. (laughs) 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 Hey, listen. It listen, you said side by side. Mm -hmm. That what you said? Side by side. I I didn't say that. Those aren't my words. I'm just a messenger. Don't kill me. Okay, nah. That's just it. Like I said, now we can stay on here for 30 minutes. We can stay on here for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I've sat with this so long, we're gonna keep coming back to (laughs) loving without ownership, trusting without fear giving without expectation and receiving with great appreciation. We're going to keep coming back to that equal sign, baby. You know what I'm saying? I done put in more, more hours of meditation than community service, Eugene. You hear me? <laughs> it's, a, it's a feedback loop, yeah? Yeah. That's the structure we're talking about. It's a feedback loop. It's energetic reci- reciprocity and giving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
that's like, if you had to break it down to something that is identifiable, like it's trackable through communication, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's dope as hell. Um, so if this is the ninth episode, nine, the energy of nine is a badass energy in my opinion. Uh, I'm a three. So like, I'm just down at the bottom being like a fountain of creativity being like, yay for all the ever big complex three vibe family. Um, but my favorite thing about nines is that they're alchemaic because they're the ending of things that make space for the new beginnings. And when I was thinking about love before this, we, we dropped the needle on this record and I was feeling hella nervous. I kept having this thought that like, it's fun to bask in the pleasure of love, but like sometimes love really bloody hurts, you know? Um, and like, especially when healing, self-healing, right? Like mm -hmm. you can't heal what you can't see. You can't heal what you can't feel, right? You can't just numb healing into existence, which means that like the trauma around us is in our bodies essentially, right? If, if love interconnects us, then we're interconnected for better or worse, which means that the interconnectivity among us shares, let's just say data, right? And so getting skilled with this shit where we can start talking about actualizing feedback loops and like boundary science, spiritual boundary science that we could teach to kids and shit, you know, like that's taking this conversation to love into like some practical outcomes that you don't have to hold in your hand like a brick or nothing. You know, it's, it's shit you can use in your life. Uh, and that's what I love about the meeting of minds around such things. Cause when we share techniques, we can find patterns of commonality that work right for, for sharing love, for creating love, for boosting each other's love. Right. It works. It works. I'm watching it happen right now. We're like kind of a conjunction right now where our ability to reach out to each other and be present is pretty potent. And what we're facing is I think inarguably a great deal of collective trauma at like most of our doorsteps, right? In all kinds of different dimensions. And so nines, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to like, I'm not a nine. So I'm going to like step out on a limb and be vulnerable here. But like, I like the death energy of nine as it can be repurposed and alchemized into kindness and love. Like a forgiveness in nine energy is like a premeditated murder. Like you're taking some beef and you're killing it. And that sacrifice of the attachment that any parties have around that can be freed up for creativity, right? It's because life involves death. Love involves death, right? And nine energy is the end of the cycle that, re, re, that brings in new life, right? So I just felt like saying that. So anybody want to riff off that or anything they want to add? We're on three, it's 333 where I am right now for the record, which means it's 666 where you are. I did the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you, Hannah, what'd you learn recently about your nine? My friend shared with me the Enneagram, two different friends actually that were like really excited about it um, in different arenas and 
the format that I was like researching about it, describe it as intimacy was like my, my life path or identifying factor. Um, so I haven't dug into it too much and I'm curious to. I got your chart right here. <laughs> Remember? Uh, oh, okay. I'll say, wait a minute. Now who you cool business you putting in the street? I hope it's Hannah. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm not going to put up anybody's business without consent. <laughs> I'm just saying I have a reference. I'm, le- I'm looking through all my readings I'm, I've done for folks. can hardly keep track of them all. There we go. Something I wanted to share that came up while Peter was talking uh, about, about love being, you know, in nature. Peter, your dog sitting next to you. Um, I read this quote lately that, that anything that you're really present with and really noticing and like actively listening to, there can be love there. And I really appreciate that. Like if you sit with a beetle crawling around the yard and and really spend time with it and be present, there can be this like upwelling of like love for it. And it can happen with myself and my body and like all of you right now, like just, like being really with your uh, present with your image on the screen, Peter, I'm like, Oh, hi, like, you're so beautiful. You're shining and glowing. Like, I love you. And same with, you know, Suzanne, Tyler, all these. these faces. <laughs> Rad. Cool. Well, Ife has turned into a fan. So <laughs> we're all getting some, uh, <laughs> some fresh air in here. Um, so trust, interconnectivity, those themes have come up. Like I said, I'm listening to folks and I'm getting patterns. I'm getting formlessness and form paradoxically at the same time from people's super valid viable experiences, which means there's a paradox there. And I think that's dope as hell because paradox is like the gateway to synthesis and epiphany. Uh, so... I, I, would, I would offer up that love can be formed and formless simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> maybe love is like everything else, right? It maybe, is, maybe love is identical to my idea of heaven. And I, I think that heaven looks like whatever you believe heaven looks like. Like for my mom, even though I don't believe in the same heaven she believes in, I'm like, sure, we'll die and we'll both be sitting to the right of the same Jesus because that's what she knows to happen, you know? Uh-huh. So that's how her heaven will show up. Mm-hmm. And so maybe love is the same way. And so really, if you think that a man might occasionally beat your ass and still love you, then that's what will show up, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> but if that's you expect your, love to be... Yeah. If you expect love to be all forgiving and omniscient and all knowing, and then it shows up as such. And then anytime it doesn't, you don't recognize it as love because it's not wearing love's dress anyway. You know? Right. That's love languages, right? Yeah. That's the I mean, really, it's everything. Because remember, it's only one love. <laughs> it's just one. But well, no. yeah. But then we hit that Tower of Babel where because people... Because of our capacity to love each other, 
and our capacity to connect across such different experience of human experience right now. Um, people are going to have really different experiences of love. Some, some person's expression of love might not match up with someone's expression of, of reciprocity or the other, right? Even mm -hmm. if, if everybody's trying <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and doing it their best and it can cause, I mean, it can cause confusion. It can cause uh, misunderstanding and conflict, right? That's like the worst case scenario. Um, I mean, I can't help but uh, like think about this from a, like a really practical approach. It's like, if like, you know, if giving each other space is important to the conversation of like allowing each other's love then having physical space and access to do that is like kind of critical, right? So like it's having a home, you know, for instance, like that conversation, like we can't have a conversation about love in our culture if people are sleeping on the streets, right? Because they're not, they can't even join the conversation if they don't have the time and space to identify what love is to them, right? And like the amount of pulling trauma cycles apart in order to do that is like tremendous work, right? We can all do it within ourselves and we can encourage each other to do that. And in even pointing out that we can do that, we have to talk about where that is in our environment, right? And uh, because, you know, one of the things you said, Ife, is that things can appear as love, right? Now, you brought up demons. Uh, I'm just a hobbyist, but demon hunting is a, is a hobby of mine. I do, it on the, I do it on the side, right? And uh, so I was really fascinated to hear you take that approach because love often is factoring how things appear to us, right? Mm -hmm. And so that has to do with love language as well, right? So that's where when we were talking about what we each saw love as, like trust came up multiple times. And uh, so, I mean, what, what does trust mean to you? Do you feel like that factors into the conversational love, Ife? Yeah, that's in the mantra. Love without ownership, trust without fear. Mm -hmm. And that's just faith. You know what I mean? To me, it doesn't matter what you have faith in. Whatever you have faith in is the thing that you trust. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, the thing that you love, the thing that you have faith in. Is the thing that you, even if you don't recognize it, like we have love for, you know what I mean? So I definitely think trust is a part of it, you know? And, you know, Hannah said something about, you know, attachment may be hurting or rejection hurting or a lack of affection. And I think that if we talk more about all these other things, but we just not allow men specifically, but people generally, we don't have time to feel, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even when they teach my, my daughter emotion cards in school, they're teaching her really surface shit, like happy face, sad face, mm -hmm. you know, nobody's going to teach you. I mean, it's not until you believe you're in love that some, some adult has to say, nah, it's, this is infatuation, you know, right. um, this is attachment. A lot of for I spent 11 years in a marriage thinking it might be love and wondering why, how I could love all these other men and women on the side. And it's because it was familiarity. You know, mm -hmm. that's what it was. It wasn't it wasn't love because it wasn't respect and there was no trust, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I thought because I was willing to stay, it was love. And so, I mean, maybe it does vary from person to person. But for me, 
trust is a big part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's like the power of vulnerability speaks within that, right? Like Absolutely. being vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I like to uh, say, I want to dive into love like a river of milk and honey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then I did say river. So, you know, in the ocean, there's some fear. That- <laughs> I said like a river of milk and honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, we, but fearlessly to, to be able to fall in so that you feel like you're rising in and to be able to do so without fear. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for me, that's love. The minute I can't fall freely or rise freely or like then then like the love has been compromised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, um, I, I just want um, uh, and say something about so far, I think we've um, unless I've misunderstood, we've mostly been talking about love as almost like a static entity, like you either love or you don't love someone. I want to also uh, um, bring up the, the concept of dynamics within relationships, the evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, a few years ago, um, I'm, I'm a big uh, math nerd, so, uh, <laughs> you know, it might not come as appealing to you guys, but um, there's... Um, there's a mathematician, applied mathematician at uh, Cornell University named Stephen Strogat, Strogratz. I, I forget exactly how to pronounce his name, but he's, um, his specialty is um, the study of evolution of mathematical systems or even physical systems because everything is kind of guided mathematically. But he created a model of relationships well, I think his was specifically uh, monogamous relationships or um, uh, basically modeling the stability, like uh, basically being able to predict when they might break up based on uh, um, certain um, crossroads that they've met. But to get away from uh, that um, a little bit, I, I wanted to, like, pitch the idea of love as being a river, you know, being a river inside of a boat with someone where, you know, you're going to have different, you're going to have an evolving love. Like you're going to have white water. You're going to head into a rocky patches. You might have something like very calm, maybe a waterfall here and there, you know, and then sometimes you just fall right into a, a lake where it just becomes static. So, uh, no, I just kind of wanted to um, steer into the conversation of uh, dynamic love. Love as water. Oh, okay. Now we're on this river and we're on this water. But, like, <laughs> again, this is how, how I try to explain it to my baby, you know, who's seven. I'm like, like, the fish loves the water. And the water loves the fish and they meet each mm-hmm. other and they go sometimes at the, in the same direction. And sometimes their direction is opposed, but at no mm-hmm. point in time does the water stop and say, yo, we need to talk about this. Shit. <laughs> and at no point oh. in time does the fish have to question the water or wonder about the water or question the water. There's always trust, no matter if it's white or patchy or rough water, 
like the understanding is that there are cycles and the understanding, like some, one of you said it like to, to give, to give, you know, with the, for the, for the support of something else's evolution, you know what I mean? And that is the relationship with the fish and the water. You know, the water doesn't jump up on the coast, stop fucking with the fish or vice versa. Mm. Like it's just always, always cycling, you know, and there's peace in that because there's an understanding and a respect for the cycles and love. But yeah, again, the, the fish don't hurt the water and the water don't hurt the fish either. There's no way to, to get me to be okay with that. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. Now, love can show up to everybody else however it has to, but if love show up hurting me, I'm going to tell it like Beyonce mm-hmm. to the left. <laughs> so, how would, um, how would the whirlpools uh, in a river uh, factor into the analogy? That when you're having a relationship that uh, you feel trapped in, that... I would say doubt. I mean, when you say like whirlpool or whirlwind, for me, whenever there's doubt, that's how I feel. Um, and and no, for me again, that's that's not that's not love. Mm-hmm. That's not love. question or doubt or dizziness. I mean, to to a degree that, I, as far as personal relationships, like I um, yeah, I really almost feel like it's psychological to say falling in love, falling in love and breaking the heart, breaking the heart. Um, mm-hmm. And so if it feels that way or if it feels dizzying, even like I don't want to make this not about something else. But for me, even the butterflies that mm-hmm. we experience in love, a lot of times I feel like our omen that is not good. You know, an mm-hmm. upset stomach is what it is, mm-hmm. not butterflies. Mm-hmm. Um, so for mm-hmm. me, that could easily be the whirlpool or the whirlwind. You know, but like love is love is easy. And Hannah said that too. To make it to make it feel like it's unattainable or so big that you can't touch it is makes it harder to live in it. Um, when to wake up is love. You know, to go to sleep trusting something that you'll wake up in the morning knowing it ain't up to you is love. And when we start putting all the human stuff on it, it just makes it more complex than mm-hmm. just love. You know. So, so what if we uh, factor in uh, mental health with your um, uh, saying that doubting is not love, but what if, um, you know, like, uh, and this has happened to me throughout my life where I've doubted relationships because of um, like major depressive episodes had nothing to do with them or the support that I might've been receiving, but this uh internal paranoia you know that stems from depression or anxiety or etc etc um so uh that's something else to consider as you know what what's going on inside of you as well as what you're bringing you know i'm i'm talking more about interpersonal relationships rather than like you know but uh i i i think you know what i mean though no, no, no. I understand that, too, especially because especially for me, because in the black community, mental health is not a thing. That's mm-hmm. your own thing to deal with. So I know exactly what you mean. And that's something that's a part of my everyday love. Um, and and yeah, they'll sue, sue my socks off if I say that love helps this. But I've seen that happen. Um, so even when you are when someone who who lives with depression or somebody who battles with it goes through their, their whirlpools. Um, it's the people around 
to recognize that that's what it is, you know, mm-hmm. to know that this isn't the river and this isn't the fish's fault. This is this is structural. You know what I mean? And to love yeah. and to love through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, ha- I've had several sisters close to me who feel alone or abandoned um, in relationships for that very reason. And they can't. I didn't even know what I had. No, listen, I don't want to get off course. But I thought depression meant to be really sad. I had no idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. I invited a sister to live with me who said she needed to live with me for three months. Um, she ended up staying for 10 months, but she had depression. And this was the first time that I'd seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Now I understand mm-hmm. that it's a completely different entity. You know what I mean? I told the depression required a certain amount of time to sleep outside of her schedule. Um, the mm-hmm. depression needed to be catered to and cooked for. Um, the depression required the white Hershey's chocolate covered flips and, and nothing else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, it was the first time that I realized, oh, shit, it's a whole nother person living here with us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went from treating her like a sad person, not being able to understand why the fuck she can't just get over it. And I started to treat mm-hmm. the depression as an individual, too. The two of them begin to merge um, mm-hmm. in the first three months, <clears throat> in the first three or four months, she would spend 10 to 12 days of the month in the room. And by the time she left, that she left was already remarkable. Um, I asked her to leave at month five and she said she just needed maybe six more months. Uh, mm-hmm. And by month 10, she was much stronger. And I think it's because where before people made her feel crazy or alone. I recognized that it was something outside of her and just love on her even harder in that. So um, that's how mental illness factors in. It's love is supposed to be complimentary where, where you don't have it or where you lack it or doubt it. I see that that's what it is um, without you having to tell me or without a diagnosis, my love can see and feel that. And then my love compensates where yours isn't as strong, but um, Yeah. I hope that makes sense. I don't, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, with other people, too, that I know with depression, sometimes, like, one uh, thing that happens on depression, um, I, I kind of liken it to being, like, a hole, you know, and sometimes the <laughs> hole is, sometimes the hole is small enough where you can climb out of it easily, but other times it's just such a deep hole that, you know, you feel like there's no way out, and that's when you start like abandoning your relationships. You start, uh, you know, feeling unwanted by people. And again, it's not anything to do with how they are treating you. It's completely what's going on inside of you. And uh, like, sometimes you just won't call. Like, um, there, there's been times where I wouldn't call my family for months on end, you know, and I, I felt really bad about it. Like I felt like, Oh, I needed to, I need to call them, but at the same time, I just can't, you know, and uh, trying to, you know, sometimes it's hard, like, then you come out of it, and you're like, look, I didn't do this because I had any issues with you, or because I didn't love you, it's just that sometimes, you, you know, it's hard to explain to people who don't experience that. Mm. Yeah, I, I just want to um, bring in this as a side topic because I think a lot of people, um, um, you know, it's hard for them to imagine what 
it's like to live with depression. Um, not not saying you, but like just no. in general. Uh, I, I I used to think that it was something that was universal. I thought everyone had depression. I was like, you know, to a to a degree. I thought some people had it worse than others, but I was really shocked to find like some friends that said, "Oh, we we have no idea what you're talking about." Like. I'm like, oh, I thought this was like completely relatable. I thought you guys were just putting a mask on. So Yeah. Yeah. Like Yeah, that's and um and and that's love. Love is learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Love is not discounting anyone until you yeah, like love is knowing first. Mm-hmm. Um and I and I feel like too <clears throat> and this is just speaking to the example of the sister that came to stay with me. I felt like if she was surrounded by love, like literally, like you said, the person uh, coming up to ask for directions on the street. If she, mm-hmm. if we, if we all had, if universally we understood love to be an all inclusive or a reflective kind of thing. If we all mm-hmm. understood that when it rains, it doesn't rain on one man's roof then our love would be so intensified that no one would ever feel alone. And mm-hmm. even in depression, they would always feel love. You know what I mean? Yep. So, <clears throat> yeah, we got a lot of work to do, family. <laughs> There's a lot of models out there, though. One of, the things that, one of the things that tipped me in my path in this direction that we're collectively having was learning about indigenous cultures that had rituals around love that were specifically designed for healing people that were experiencing what what we call mental illness right now. Right. And I was just like stumbling and wandering and such things much. I mean, I'm not much less clueless, but I was more clueless back then of what's true or real, what's being fed to me through some kind of lens or not. Anything that comes out in non-American culture is sanitized and warped and, and redistributed. And it stuck out to me and I ended up like really kind of digging in and trying to be like, is this real? Because if this is real, this is kind of a game changer. And sure enough, it is real. I didn't memorize the facts. I, I, you know, maybe that's one of the links I can put up in this is the tribe that did this in the, in the culture of Africa that, that it was uh, geographically located in, which I don't remember off the top of my head either. But when someone wasn't doing well, the, the, there was a relationship between their name and a song that was part of the village's song. So their name was like a word, a sound in the song, right? It was like a phonetic part of a song that was this, the village's song. And then whenever the, someone was drifting into a place of depression or trauma in any kind of direction, they're like, oh, we got to do this ritual where we all circle around them and we all sing their name in the village song with them. It's just like all the village pours mm-hmm. just your name you're you the name that is you just whatever that means this is one unified song all focused on this one person consensually without coercion right just like and in my perception that's technology right there you don't have to have Mm -hmm. machines to do this kind of like scientific work (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um I bet you you could go in there and dig around in the data and find sound wave correlations to organs and massaging organs through vibrations and, <clears throat> and, and all I mean, that mommy, stuff, you know. Mommies sing to newborn babies, you know, and, and it works. And there's a place in Africa called Lesotho. And in Lesotho, it happens this way. 
anytime anyone cries, the villagers just begin to sing. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so nobody asks you why. Nobody tells you to be strong. They just sing so you know that we see you and you're not alone. And I imagine that if it takes a little song for a little baby, it would take a lot of song for a mental, you know, for mental health. Um, but I just have seen it be effective. And so, yeah, you're right. Love, true love showing up in how, whatever form it does is medicinal. Mm, yes, it is. It's, it's, and that's like the, the, the science is proving that like the studies around what causes cycles of abuse, the environmental factors of that, what causes addiction, how all those things are tied into structures. It's all been documented for years and years and years and years. And people are putting that together, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, Interconnectivity and community heals PTSD, it heals addiction, it heals uh, trauma, you know? And so that, that bridging of self-love and community love, you know, there's something really powerful, I think, there. You know, that's that one plus one equals three vibe, where you have two distinct points of actual power that in relationship create something new, right? Because uh, yeah. there's like a lot of divide around and people seem to take sides strongly around this at times to what simply seems like a conversation of the individual versus the collective. Right. And I feel like this conversation really is is a part of bridging that mythology that they're separate things, you know, um, even though they are distinct points of power and consideration for like anybody to step in and consider around. Um. I just wanted, um, this is a, a, not really off topic, but kind of a tangent, but um, um, what you were saying, Ife, just kind of reminded me uh, when you said when someone's feeling sad, the community members would get around them and start singing. Um, I, I, I remember um, I, I had a friend whose, um, whose mother had this, um, she turned her box she turned her barn into um, a horse rescue. And what they, whenever a horse grew old and was about to pass away, all the other horses around in the herd knew that it was going to die. And so they would get in a circle around the other horse and just kind of comfort it for its last moments. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of uh, what you said kind of reminded me of, but also bringing it into something that, you know, a lot of humans don't think that animals feel, but, you know, there's a lot of evidence to suggest the, the contradiction of that. Mm -hmm. Man, do you know, all my life, like, I don't know if they say it in all communities or if they just say it in mine, but it's like a big thing to say blood is thicker than water, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, when I finally learned that or originally this was the blood of the coven is thicker than the water of the womb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, my, my, my feeling or my conviction you know, the very first time hearing it was that the family that we choose, the people that we choose to love, 
um, the people that choose to love us, we have a, a much more unique bond and connection, um, much more of a spiritual tie than we do even to the people who we're born to and maybe obligated to love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more I grow in love, like to know that my relationship with my internet sisters has helped train my real life sister with how to love me properly, you know? Um, the relationships that I've chosen, my spiritual mothers online, when I say I'm, uh, when I'm, when I say I'm sick, the way they show up with medicine or show up with dinner for my children, mm-hmm. they've taught my mom, my actual birth mother, how, um, how I need to be loved, you know? So we're back to interconnectivity. Because the more of those connections we have, the easier it is to be surrounded in love mm-hmm. and the easier it is to be maintained or healed. You know? Yep. This is Peter and I agree. If the family you choose is so much an important part of that, that you can have a close relationship. Unfortunately, this is a wonderful conversation, but uh, I'm kind of. Um, leave you all if it's okay. Um, I have uh, some support this afternoon so I can go swimming and I'm trying to do what I can to keep up my um, health and also uh, swimming is very healing for me so if it's okay I'm going to go ahead and uh, (laughs) say bid you all farewell but this was a, a great podcast and I Learned a lot from you all. So, um, right on. Thank you, Peter. Right. Yeah, bye, Peter. Bye. See, you, uh, see you. See you soon. Right. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marco, hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite games in the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye, Peter. Bye. Thank bye. you. Fun, Peter. Take care. Well, how the rest of y'all feeling? Uh, we're pretty much at about an hour, which is where our episodes tend to groove at. But if we're inspired, we can keep going. If anybody has something that's emerging in them or they wanted to share that, that, uh, well, I, um, just kind of wanted to add that, um, you know, the way that, you know, you took care of one of your sisters that came to live with you, Um, the way that you loved her and made her feel that she wasn't crazy and that she wasn't, you know, Mm. you know, a social pariah because of her depression, Um, you know, on a, on a personal experience in the level like that, I think that that type of love is stronger than even medication and, um, I think that that's like you said, we've got a lot of work to do. So that way, you know, more people um, are loved in such a way um, that the reliance on kind of like a a cold, cold way of being, um, you know, tended to medically um, sometimes can exasperate it. So I just just wanted to mention to everyone that's listening about how important that type of love is. It's it's very it's a natural love. It's an ancient love and it's something that 
I think we all need to kind of look back and, and return to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I think, too, there's this myth, right, that you can't control love, you can't control the heart, and it just kind of happened. When for me, love has been a very conscious choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's been a very conscious choice. So to teach people to love in action or to love out loud, because that's, um, yeah, that doesn't, real love does not happen for me on accident. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if that hate mm-hmm. happens much more naturally, um, my love is very, very conscious, very intentional. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm learning every day to love more intentionally. It's power. I mean, it's power where, you know, what, just to speak to something practical to what I feel like some of y'all were talking about over the, the past bits of this conversation, there's this cultural phenomenon I'm watching happen more and more these days, which is freaking dope, which is like check-in webs, check-in networks. Folks are just creating little firecracker meetups. Just, how you doing? You good? Cool. You good? Cool. Just checking in, dropping in. Boom. Right? It's like getting the neuron, the neurons firing of like inevitable interconnectivity, right? It's just, and it's, it's, it's cool as hell, right? I want to encourage anybody listening to like bring that conscious love into such actions, just reaching out, just dropping in on people and being like, yo, think about you. You don't even got to respond by, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's difficult balance given how much like media we're always processing in the internet and stuff. But um, the capacity to talk to each other right now is something new and dope. And, and this, I tell my daughter, the universe don't care who do, who do magic. You know what I mean? Evil people do magic. Good people do magic. Magic don't give a damn who do it. Okay. <laughs> and you need to make sure you're doing it. You're doing your, your share, you know? So she has this thing now where she, um, she sends messages to everybody on Wednesday. She goes through her contact list on her phone and she sends, I love you text to everybody. <laughs> right now. Is her love genuine? Hell no. Cause she told me her grandma told her, it's rude to just randomly call people and ask for money. So you should at least have a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, every Wednesday I set my alarm to remind me to love on everybody. So when I need something, I'm always in their pocket. And I'm thinking, as fucked up as the sounds, baby girl, you figured it out. Because if you give it, you get it. You know what I mean? As crazy as it sounds, kids, you're on to something because you can't withdraw what you don't deposit. And this is a a deposit. Like the responses are, oh, it's been a rough week for me, grandbaby, but I can count on you. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Yeah, man, like love love it intentionally. You know, even when it's hard, tell them babies, you got to butter your bread. You know what I mean? You woke up today, not because of your alarm. You woke up today because something greater than you give a fuck about you. Mm-hmm. Put, put your portion to give a fuck back before you mm-hmm. go to bed again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's it. It's, and it's, it just it's, feels good, man. It feels good to love know. and give. Like it's, I feel like it's just beneficial for your health, you know? It uh, is. Finding any opportunity to be like, I'm going to give love, right? Which And, the, and, the, and I feel like this conversation just on a, on a, like a work level 
exists seemingly paradoxically, but not at all from my perspective and experience with the conversation <laughs> of boundaries, <Okay>. right? Because <laughs> if you're given and given and given, and there's no boundaries and there's no like feedback loop, then it's just draining and draining and draining. Right. Mm -hmm. So boundaries, like I used to think that they were walls when I was younger. Now I'm learning they're more like basically cell walls, which are crystalline. They're, 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 they're like periodic. They're they're, the periodic pattern, which means they're like a crystal. They are a crystal, they're like a diamond. And they just, they're, they're like a brain that moves information inside to the, like the most precious bits that, that if damaged kill the cell to this chaotic environment that provides this just torrential pressure of information from the liquid in the body and then this, the other cells that are pressing in the pressure, all the elements of the body that are affecting it. Like if love is the transmission between our fucking little wormy mitochondria friends inside of us, giving us energy then there's an economy there because inside our own bodies, our cells have to have boundaries so that they can just do what they do. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't, when people talk about boundaries and love, I don't feel at all that they are like mutually exclusive conversations at all. In fact, I think they, they merge in ways that become like art where, where it, it becomes a creative act that is its own language that has its, that, if given vision has its own alphabet, even if you just mm -hmm. have the time to, to work with someone to identify it. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that you say that because the word boundaries, I think you just mentioned it in passing in this conversation earlier. And I got all lit up because I like to move around the world saying it's all love and boundaries. Like yeah. there's no need to ever, ever, ever resent anyone or have ill will or charge with them. It's just a boundary. If it's not good for you, do whatever you, you know, is within your agency to remove yourself from the situation or adjust or, um, and then you can just keep loving people. You never need to like resent them or not be okay or be overextended. Um, and that came up too with what Tyler, with what you were saying, like loving, even when there's really challenging things going on, like there's, you know, illness or whatever challenges this, that, like, you know, I've been in a lot of relationships in the past with like, harmful relationships with substance with other people and just the chaos of that and volatility and abuse that can go with that mm -hmm. and just learning that it's just boundaries and then you can stay in the game and stay in right relationship with people and not have any resentment or like heaviness um so I just love that aspect and another thing I was excited to share when you're talking about depression and um you know, different experiences with loving with depression, being loved with depression is how sometimes I feel like love, um, a, a not bio, but a sister of mine <laughs> shared some epic knowledge with me. Um, we were talking about codependency and I know she has this deep like wound with abandonment. People don't love me. I'm forgettable. I'm replaceable. And she said how in past relationships, it was so hurtful and partners would like talk to that wounded part it's like they're interacting with that that little like devil demon dark spot in her like having a direct conversation with that part of her that's like you're unworthy but to hold always the vision that someone's whole like you know you might be in this hole Tyler but we all see you glowing we know there wasn't a single second that you like 
we're unworthy or small or flat. Like you've always been glowing in our eyes. So we're always talking to the, the whole you and not, we're like holding that vision for you, even when, you know, it's, it's obscured. So yeah, thank you. Just excited to. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's beautiful. That's that bridge. Uh, that's that bridge between the individual and the collective, right? And it's because people can see it as like paradoxical, like misdiagnosis will happen and shit, like self-misdiagnosis or misdiagnosis of others, where you're basically like, we're loving you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have the skills to do anything about that, right? And that's like, you know, when, when your friend, when you're offering sucker to your friend and you're offering sanctuary, like I would wager there is hella skills that you were employing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and like, cause like we could talk about this, like it's some cool switch we can just flip in our head, but like most everybody here that's talking about this probably has like a really diverse tool set in front of them that's been honed over time. Some of those tools are worn, some of them are new, some of them are sharp. Et cetera, et cetera, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I, I, given like the need to acknowledge skill and loving, I also wanted to like dovetail that seemingly tangential, but really not to what I think what has been kind of like fluttered at, like kind of revealed itself in the conversation, but never really acknowledged is mm -hmm. grooming. And what grooming is and how cycles of abuse around the false love of grooming can cause, cause like a really intense cycles of abuse. You know what I mean? Like this is, is related to so many conscious and unconscious expectations of what love is pretended to supposed to look like for any number of reasons for someone who's trying to just milk something, trying to get some blood out of that, that, that blood family idea, right? They're just trying to take and take and take. It's like, it's like vampirism, you know? That's like a demon that I've encountered before for sure is the vampire, you know? Uh, and I feel like if we're going to talk about hunting demons, shit, I'll call that one out, you know? Like, I've met all kind of vampires, all kind of vampires. And I'm pretty sure that, like, their proto form is like the, the hungry ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Just like something that's more of a whisper and a wind and a howl of hunger than anything else, right? That just gnaws away at whatever it touches. And then from there, you get like the undead, like the shambling dead. People have been like, the hunger's just eating them up and they're like a drone, you know? That's the demon, not the person, the demon. And then vampires, I've met a couple that are even like conscious about it, where they're like, nah, I'm a vampire. Not I'm talking about actual drinking blood. I'm talking about like, yeah. I, I operate off vampires principles to do my thing and i'm just like wild like like that's a different approach just lean into the demon i guess you know like make the demon part of you i guess <laughs> i i know like i know this we talking about love and it's no love in this but i know that the bitch is is a demon you know what i mean <laughs> i know that the bitch is not a female dog and the bitch is not an angry woman I, I know that the bitch is well cultivated in negative environments. You know what I mean? I know that the bitch is uh, is compacted self-defense mechanisms. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Fired up. And I know that the only way to get the sweet bitch out is an exorcism. 
And I know the only tool you can bring to those exorcisms is love because I've been showing up at them for years now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that demon hunting is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that has helped me, too, even with depression. I'm like, this is not this is not my sister. You know what I mean? This is not my sister. My sister get up every Saturday and do yoga with me. The sister that can't get out of bed and that can't see the light. And the sister that that thinks that if she just ended her life, she could just make it better for everybody and it would just be over. Like, that's not even my sister, yo. That's something that got in through some portal, okay? And I'm bigger than that, so I'm going to get up in there with it and evict it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it breaks my heart that, um, it breaks my heart that there's a question of what love is. It breaks my heart to know that there are people that feel like they don't have it or that they don't qualify for it. Mm. Um, and as much as I love the blood of the coven being thicker than the water of the womb, it even makes me a little bit sad to know that there are women who can trust me on the Internet so freely that they would trust me with their lives when they don't trust their mothers that way. You know, that the only reason that they're in a position to love me and trust me so freely is because it's never shown up for them anywhere else in their lives. Mm. That's mm. crushing to me. You know mm. what I mean? Um, that makes every that makes every um, every day, every interaction um, important. You know, I remember my grandmother saying, "You never know when you're entertaining an angel." You know, mm. <laughs> just trying to make sure we, you know, just want us to be nice and strangers so you can get into heaven. But now I realize that like my interaction with every person could change how they feel about black people or about women or people with locks, or just about people generally, or, you know what I mean? Just, I got one shot, every interaction, to, mm, you know, Eugene, I be telling them it's a love contest. Not that mm-hmm. I want to compete, but if I mean, we if did, you, I would probably ha- win. If you, you have <laughs> if you have one life, why do anything else? Mm-hmm. And if we all do that, everybody just benefits, right? Like yeah. it, it's actually not super complicated <laughs> and then it's super easy to talk about, but it's just a lot harder to do when the rubber hits the road because again, like the trauma, the trauma wave is a real fucking thing, man. Like it's like a giant ass tsunami coming down on us for generations. And like, so even have these conversations and develop actualized practical skills we can bring into our community means we can meet it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can like, if enough of us do it, we can meet it. Like, I know this, like the liver is an amazing organ. I just want to, I love the liver. If we're going to talk about love, like my liver, <laughs> it, it keeps my blood. So like the sacrifices that my liver does so that I can wake the fuck up and do this with you guys. Mm-hmm. is it's a, it's, a, it's a model to me in my life, right? Mm-hmm. To go out into a, a culture that is just so steeped in violence and toxicity and abuse and mm-hmm. find love and let that sh- wet, hot garbage smack me in the face as it need be, because that's where we are in culture where there's just a lot of that flying around sometimes mm-hmm. and just letting it slide through and, and then actually checking out, well, what are people eating? Huh? What are they throwing away? <laughs> what's, what stories are they telling me? Uh, you know, that they, uh, that's, that's where they're at with their communication. Mm -hmm. That's where they're at with their love, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. if enough of us can tune into this shit, we can Mm -hmm. become a liver. 
And we could become like a multidimensional liver where we're taking generations, centuries of like thick ass trauma, like thick, mm-hmm. thick, 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 deep ass trauma and start siphoning it like a sit, like a filter through our mm-hmm. communities where it's at, meeting it where it's at, seeing where it's, it exists, seeing where these demons are thriving and calling them out and loving each other because it's really not about each other but it's also always about each other that's the paradox mm-hmm. right um and like that's the trust the mystery of love for me is just trusting that like damn this is going to look like so many different things there's no way i can try and make love about one thing right now that's just not mm-hmm. the game right now love is not about one thing but it also is that's the paradox mm-hmm. right that's that's the 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 thing i've met in just having this conversation with people it's the, the individual and the community, that bridge, mm-hmm. that love bridge. And there's, there's, there's science to both of it, right? There's, there's observable patterns that we can share with each other and track each other and what our loving is like in our lives through things like mutual aid networks, through just check-in networks and whatnot. Like, this shit is mm-hmm. science. Martial arts, actually, is what it is. It's really not even just as nerdy as science. It's martial arts. It's, it's like love militancy for me right (laughs) it's like there's no time for like fucking around (laughs) it's work it's just it's like work from here on out to achieve the healing that we have to do that if that when we do the amount of energy we're going to free up is going to be like i don't think people are even ready to imagine that shit because of the trauma right like sometimes you give it's like if someone's starving or just dying of thirst you can't dump food and water down their gullet because it'll make them seize up or vomit forth. Their system's just not ready. Like that's something that like, you can't talk about love without finding that bleeding edge, that like alchemaic bleeding edge of all the different aspects of trauma that meet love and disperse charge, disperse energy into the field that is love. Right. And that's like the science of working with love, I think is it's like, any of y'all fuck with Kwan Yin? I'm talking about Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kwan Yin. Uh, uh, the Chinese deity of compassion. Mm-hmm. There's like a oh. meditation. I'm going to butcher this as the ignorant Westerner that I am. Uh, it doesn't matter how poor I am at addressing the reality of it. It's deep to my heart, which uh, is a meditation practice where essentially you're just sitting down and all the trauma and negativity you can conceptualize, you send your consciousness out into the environment to find it and map it, essentially. And mm-hmm. through whatever senses you can do, whatever, if you have to judge it, that's where you're at, whatever. But like just taking in the data of all the trauma and then just using the inhale to breathe all of it in that you could possibly stand and like find that edge where you are going to get sick. <laughs> find it you know like how much of this can i be present for with and maintain cohesion and then hold it in between that infinitesimal brief moment where you don't inhale or exhale where you're like dead for a moment just enough breath don't need to take any more and you don't need to exhale yet that's when you transmute it into love and healing and then you breathe it back out into the map that you've mapped around you essentially and he just, it's mm-hmm. the process of just like filtering out the bullshit, basically. <laughs> and what you say his name? Kwan, Kwan Ye? What's his name? Kwan Yin. Her name Kwan. is 
Guan Yin. Guan Yin, I think, is the original pronunciation with like a G. Wow. And it's a Bodhisattva, right? Yep. Bodhisattva life. Wow. Um, yeah, that's um, that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, Eastern experience, like Asian culture around love, is that's a whole conversation that's just amazing. Like, yeah. you guys know about Thick Kong Duck, right? The guy uh, who immolated himself. He Rage Against the Machine uh, has him on there. Have, uh, probably grew up the Vietnamese War. Uh, like, who was protesting the Vietnamese mm-hmm. War? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that dude had so much peace that he was able to just, in his goddamn sandals and robe, walk into, like, the hot-ass afternoon sun, mm-hmm. peacefully sit down in lotus style on the asphalt, douse himself in gasoline, and sit there peacefully while he burned to death mm-hmm. after he immolated himself. And I remember seeing that and being like, this is, I thought this was fake. I thought this was just art someone made. A human mm-hmm. being did this? Just sat there? Like, I can't imagine a worse pain. I could probably get over anything. <laughs> like, if this human being's love endured that, I could get over probably any bullshit I'm ever going to come up with. <laughs> Ain't no way it's going to match that. Unless something's coming I can't predict. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, I, I wonder... Um, uh, just uh, steer the conversation a little bit, or maybe this could be for another time, but we, we've kind of been touching it without addressing the elephant in the room, but like, um, this is neuropunk press, and the punk comes in with uh, resistance to the current system, especially capitalist system. I wanted to bring this up because... Um, our society in the U.S. is very individualistic. So um, I think it would be an interesting uh, subtopic to discuss uh, around love and how love is affected by this harsh individualism and um, what love could look like in the future, like after we abandon this toxic individualism. I mean, capitalism is all about property. Mm-hmm. I kind of really don't know what else to say when that, like, I feel like kind of we fundamentally talked about, like, some aspects of loving without making a thing a mm-hmm. property. I don't know. It's not my vibe. You will. Not my well, vibe. I, 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 was, I was more talking, not like the actual economic system, but I'm talking about um, the individualism in society, like, uh, if you ever have any uh, issues, you're supposed to deal with it yourself, or you know, uh, you know, you're you're supposed to, you know, we we've kind of been um, primed to believe that the only person we can rely on is ourselves, you know, and that everyone is just looking out for themselves, and you know that's not true at all. But you know, it kind of. Um, I, I believe our system has kind of tricked a lot of people into believing that's the case. Um, uh, yeah, that's atomization is the term I've heard, right? We get atomized and the, it's like if the pressures of like the nuclear family being a gravity toward 
property ownership to raise a family and express love, right? Like that literally, that, that galvanization of what property ownership means, there's so much energy it takes to have a house, so mm-hmm. much. And that energy, so much of it isn't, doesn't have anything to do with loving each other mm-hmm. at all. It has more to do with keeping up with arbitrary time markers of expectation that are backed up by violence. And violence, mm-hmm. I mean, love can be violent. Two people can love each other violently, consensually, and have a great-ass time. So I'm not, like, trying to disparage <laughs> violence as an element, right? But um, when that's not consensual, no matter – and that's where, like, grooming comes in, right? Like, we're groomed to believe we're supposed to live a certain way, we're supposed to love a certain way around that. But then when you look at what we're being forced to organize around and through, there's – no, you tell me where there's love in that. You tell me where there's love in rent, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me where, where rent is like super in the love spectrum for society. Well, I, I mean, I know that if I loved someone, I wouldn't make them pay me rent. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to have you call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> The shit goes deep, man. Rent is the keystone. Rent is the motherfucking keystone. I will stand by that till the end of my day. You know, I I um I say things like that all the time. That um that 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 is your issue. It's your business. It's your problem. Um, that happiness is an inside job. You know, and. And it does, considering that I teach that, I can see how it could easily be received as, you know, I even tell people, you, you did shit, you, you, I promise you, you were born by yourself, even if you had a twin, you came here by yourself, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And when you go, you're going to leave the same way. And so to look for anything, even God, outside of the self, even love outside of the self is a little crazy to me, because you came in equipped mm-hmm. with all you would ever need. You know what I mean? Everything you would need to survive, you would grow. So your love, uh, your strength, all of these things. Um, <clears throat> but still, it is a message of individuality. And so I can see where there would be some concern about how we can teach this universal love of, of this reflective love where we're pushing this agenda of individuality so heavily. Well, but um, I... I, I- I do want to. I do want to clarify. I'm not talking about individuality. I'm talking about individualism. Um, I, it, it's a point that I've been trying to. Um, um, well, 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 I've been wanting to make or distinguish between the two because individuality is something everyone has, even in a collective um, centric society. Uh, Everyone has their uniqueness. That is their individuality. Individualism, though, is this concept of putting all of the responsibility onto oneself and not looking to collaborate with other people. To, um, you know, because, um, you know, we, we know as human beings we are a lot more productive when we get into a group of people. I mean, as long as we vibe with them, but, um, <laughs> okay, <Holly> you, know, <laughs> you know, like where, 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 I mean, you can't put a bunch of toxic people or people that have toxic relationships with each other in the room and expect them to get stuff done. But, you know, the idea is 
like building up the relationship so that we can absorb each other's pain, but not not absorb it to the point that we become that pain, that we, you know, we don't want to accumulate all the poison. That's why when we have a big network of support, you know, you kind of transfer a little bit of it to everyone. They transfer a little bit out of them and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you share the, you share the burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we share charge. That's like what you were saying up front about the field theory that you put forth, the field perspective, Ife. Um, love being like a, an aura, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a field. And yeah. uh, so like, like you, it's like you just said, someone's close to you there and your, your fields are mixing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that, yes, that can be conscious, but it happens whether you're conscious of it or not. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like what Tyler, I think, is saying is just acknowledging that, like, we're kind of loving each other unconsciously all the time, whether we like it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and denying that is going to cause problems. It's going to stop lack of capacity for developing how to mm-hmm. handle that through mastery of self and with interaction, right? And mastery is yeah. dope. Like, I think, you know, everybody's got this master that's already there in them that's doing some shit. And uh, bringing that out, especially when love is on the table, like bringing that out of people is, it's a really great way to disarm folks too, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just are not expecting love. Like it's kind of one of the ways you can flip the script is like people will get so invested in creating things that aren't love that if you just stay loving, it confuses people, but not in like a dangerous, bad way. It just seems Mm -hmm. to disarm them in ways where they're like, not sure why I'm doing all this you know? <laughs> no it's, it's science i read that once before and then i've tried it just to see how it works you know i purposely <laughs> put myself in in conflict where where men you know where men were quarreling just to see if um if a if a feminine touch or voice or and you know me i love anyway so uh-huh. it's not abnormal for me to say randomly yo i love you what's happening <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like what are you doing i love you uh-huh. you know so um yeah that's just that's just real <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the love is love really is peace um and i think i read that with, and i've seen this happen though i read about men but i've seen this with men and women um where and and, and it, I don't know verbatim, but it's like men can only use one head at a time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so if they're hot headed and fiery and aggressive, then you redirect the energy to the other head and you've cleared yourself of a war. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and That's and one so approach. Re- yeah, and I know that, that that this is not uncommon for men either. You know, I've confronted a boyfriend about some bullshit and have had him try to kiss on me and make it better. You know, (laughs) but this love does, it's a healthy distraction, you know, um, and, and acts of love trigger us to be peaceful. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember I had someone, uh, accidentally bust into where I was living once (laughs) because they were involved in some shit outside of the house. That was a misadventure that they told me very quickly once I got them calmed down because they were like trashing through the house, trying to escape. It literally, I was living in San Francisco up on like the third floor and this dude jumped out of the hotel because he was smoking crack with someone. 
And like it went bad. The crack smoking session went bad and he jumped out and literally grabbed the extension cord that we had running down the buildings. We were doing things with power and swung in and trashed our living room trying to escape. And, and everyone was yelling at him. And I just remember just being like, like, Hey, do you want to get out? You know, like no, no fear. Like I had no idea what was going on. Like, Hey, like, do you want to get out? Cause the way you're going right now, you're going to, it's a dead end. Uh, I'll help you if you want. And he was like, all wild eyed told me I was just smoking crack. And then the guy started trying to stab me. And I was like, that's, that's rough, man. Like here, let me help you out. Do you need any water? And it just completely diffused the energy and it came naturally. Like there was no, like, Oh, I've trained for this. It was just like, this is love. Like, and it, it changed the energy from crisis to like facilitation easily. No weapons. I didn't have a gun. I didn't need a gun. I didn't need a knife. I need a sword mm-hmm. or anything. Wow. That's a pretty intense uh, experience. Welcome to the Tenderloin in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that sounds pretty impressive. Like he, he Tarzaned out of the, out of his apartment into yours. Out of the hotel next door. <laughs> They're all uh, mashed together. Uh, it's, it's like an old block in the Tenderloin. It's just all these tall buildings that are all mashed up against each other. And all the fire oh. escapes, all the fire escapes are all accessible. So you can just jump around like as much as you want. <laughs> yes. wow. Love is dope. Uh-oh. Well, we're coming up on uh, damn near two hours. Like, uh, how's everybody feeling? Well, I'm feeling ready, but my battery just said 10%. <laughs> like, I mean, look, I, like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like, how about we wrap this up with, with some, uh, some, I don't know, anything anybody want to say while we tie this up like a beautiful gift? Um, anybody you want to love on, you want to shout out to? Oh, yeah, you know what? I do want to love on people. Just Love to, um, on some people. Well, yeah, you know, uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my grandma and my mama for making it possible. No, really. Um, I want to say that I'm going to be reaching out to you all individually just because that is one of the challenges for the nine, like connectivity. We just all over the place as knowledge seekers and gatekeepers and teachers that um, people connect to us easily. And we never even notice the attachment because of our business. You know, um, so I'm trying to make a conscious effort to root parts of myself in people that I know can grow those parts of me um, and exchange, you know, so um, it's peace that, you know, for lack of a better word, you've already been vetted. OK, <laughs> you know? but really, I do feel um, safe in this circle. Yeah. And because the last time the majority of us met, it was professional. Right. It, um it feels really good to vibe with you personally, you mm-hmm. know, and it has changed the dynamic of the relationship, you know, like, um, like Suzanne has gone from the lady who can do everything to help me to my <laughs> sister now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so thank you for this opportunity, yo. Thank you for this opportunity. I love you. Hannah, your whole vibe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Tyler, I'm grateful for you. I know that I'll learn a lot from you. Um, like I can tell you're a library, you know what I mean? And I struggle with learning from people. I'm a know-it-all. I don't want nobody to tell me shit. <laughs> give me Tyler. And I know you're going to give me that work, Tyler. I know I'm going to be a better, I'm going to be a better rebel because of you. Mm-hmm. So I give thanks. 
Um, and Eugene, thank you again for, for making magic happen. Thank you for trusting spirit and being faithful. I know that's one of the scariest endeavors. Yeah. So thank you for over and over and over and over and over again, being courageous enough <laughs> to bridge us. I love you. I love you too very much. It's an honor to be connected to you. Uh, I want to have you back again, if that's cool. Like whenever we get this thing rhythm going more, um, I want to talk about demon hunting more with you. That's just, that's just, a, that's just a whole fun conversation for me personally. Like uh, we go in on that. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. We're going to yeah. do that for episode one in the new season. <laughs> you want to start off? You want to start the nine energy with the one energy? I mean, we might as well get All it out right. the mud. It's, it's perfect. It's perfect because we've been talking about this podcast being like a river where people who on other episodes just ha- just stay on and keep come part of the conversation that's ongoing. It's fun to do this. It's fun as fuck to do this. I think everybody should, I don't want to use the word should, if, if you have the capacity to be present with folks and put it out there and connect with other people that are doing it, now's the time to be doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you learn so much. The more people that come in, the more, you know, information is inputted and the more inspiration grows and the synergy just keeps going and going and going. And this is, Uh this is our opportunity with the, with the way the pandemic has go, has gone. This is our window together to, you know, do it. Ife said, you know, make loving legal again to where, (laughs) you know, it's, it just, it starts spreading like, uh, like what? What was that mold again? <laughs> I uh, forgot the mold. mold. Yes, slime thank mold. you, the slime mold. <laughs> uh, so, anybody else want to say anything before we close out? Nah. No, I just, okay, okay. I'm a talker, so I got to say one more thing. Okay. <laughs> no, no, really. This is beautiful. It really is. Um, and I'm excited because I know one day we'll do this at a table together. You know okay. what I'm saying? Uh, and and that's even more exciting to know that we're taking virtual relationships and mm-hmm. um, yo, and we're making them physical relationships. Yo, it's All right, coming. y'all got to get off my phone. My battery is dying. It's coming. Okay, I'm this, telling this you, weed. Listen, I'm crying. This weed won't smoke itself. It's <laughs> for a host of reasons. Okay. All right. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much, you. Ethan. We appreciate having you here. Thank you, Hannah. I love you all. Good night. Love you too. Oh, Good night, night, y'all. Take care. Take care.